Hello everyone, welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast on the Youth Critic Network. Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast. I am your host, Kale Smith. Joining me this week is David Weiser from Film Assessment. Hi, everybody. It's good to be back. Uh, we're going to be talking about some dinos. Or... Yeah, we're going to be uh, talking some dinosaurs. So what dinosaur movie are we talking about, David? Um, wasn't there that the, the one that dropped on Apple TV? It was like produced by John Favreau. Uh, what was that called? No, just kidding. We wouldn't. I don't even know what it's called. Um, Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> we can't keep her here forever. They find her, we're never going to see her again. We got to protect her. That's our job. Humans and dinosaurs can't coexist. We created an ecological disaster. Settler. Alan Grant. You didn't come out all this way just to catch up now, did you? You coming or what? Good grief. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> there was some like, it, it's like treated like a National Geographic, like kind of um, what those like, what do you even call those? Like the National Geographic, like documentary. Oh, like yeah, like nature documentaries. They, they, on Apple TV, they made one of those, like one in that style, but it's about dinosaurs. And John Favreau like was a producer on it or something. Oh my god! And it's those CGI dinosaurs, like from, but like the Lion King style. I think so. I I, I oh, just god. heard about it. I I I didn't really watch it or anything, and so that's why I was trying to bring it up. So. Yeah, sorry for the segue. And... <laughs> oh no, no, no! But no, it's okay. Uh, no, it's okay. Uh, but yes, we are talking about Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, and if you're thinking that it's a silly title, uh, yes, it is a very, very silly title, and it's a very silly, silly movie. So it's appropriate. Um, and so how the show is going to go is we're going to talk first about the Jurassic Park series and how we got here and um, who to blame or praise, depending on our thoughts for uh, this sequel trilogy to the, Van- to, I almost said Fantastic Four, <laughs> the Jurassic Park franchise. Um, 
you're gonna speak so, that into existence there's gonna be a sequel trilogy for the um 2005 fantastic <laughs> four they didn't even get to finish their trilogy but sure we're gonna get get they're gonna get a sequel trilogy <laughs> um <laughs> okay but uh david starting with you uh what are your thoughts on the jurassic park franchise so like everyone else in the world i love the original <laughs> perfect movie spielberg not i can't it's amazing to me that like everyone says this all the time but it's just so amazing to me that he made that and schindler's list in the same year like spielberg's the goat you can't deny that and if you do i don't know what to tell you um you got bad taste or something um and yeah um, so yeah I, I love the original great movie there's so much to talk about it I, i'm not gonna really like because of the sake of this podcast being about jurassic world dominion i'm not gonna like get into specifics um but like my generic thought i love the movie it's one of my favorite movies of all time just like most people in the world kind of it's like i highly i love it um then like moving on to the lost world i always thought that was like uh, a movie i had mixed opinions on like there were things i liked in it there's things that i'm like uh. but then like upon rewatch this week like i i kind of um leaning more on the positive side and i think it's a pretty solid sequel um at least it has spielberg behind the camera compared to all the other sequels whereas jurassic park 3 has its moments but it really feels like a made for like sci-fi channel tv movie like it, i don't know that's just the vibe i get from it and then then there's jurassic world which is i i admittedly pretty enjoyable but it's kind of a mess at the same time and um I, I don't know. It's it's just it's it's Jurassic World. Um, <laughs> it, it definitely is like one of the lesser Lego sequels uh, in recent years, but it, it's a safe, enjoyable movie that made a lot of money, and it's not really surprising that it did so. Um, then Fallen Kingdom is another one I had mixed thoughts on when I saw it upon release but I skewed towards enjoying it and I liked it more than the first Jurassic World. And then this week when I rewatched it, I loved it even more. Like J.A. Bayona just brings so much to that movie when the script is absolute garbage. And I can't praise him enough for that. Like it's a real, I think it's a well-directed movie with an awful screenplay. And that's kind of my general thoughts on the franchise. It's other than like the original and then those two that I just mentioned that I kind of skew positive on. I don't really have like a huge attachment to the series as a franchise, quote unquote. So I didn't go into this like thinking if this sucks, this is like the end of Jurassic movies. <laughs> like I can't like it's ruined or whatever because it's like eh, whatever, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, and I've talked a little bit about the Jurassic Park franchise over the years because of, of course, uh, Fallen Kingdom. And we talked about Jurassic World a little bit on the very, very first episode of the Youth Critic Podcast. Uh, so, 
so but generally my thoughts on the jurassic park series is that i of course agreeing with david i love the first movie it's an all-timer i've seen it in theaters um well i saw in like in a re-release fashion um but i've seen um and i've seen lost world and i kind of go back and forth on lost world uh, because I think the a the score for the Lost World is incredible. Like it's one of the most underrated scores that John Williams has ever done. Uh, it's got adventure, got thrills, um, and that dun, 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 dun. it's so good. Like it's such a good score, and the multiple variations that run through that movie. Jurassic Park 3, I think I've seen the most uh, of the franchise, not because I love it, but because it came out when I was seven years old. And that was like the movie for me. Like that was the, you know, like it was short, it was mean. It had dinosaurs fighting in it. It was a T-Rex and a Spinosaurus fight. It was incredible for a seven-year-old. So I wore that VHS tape out as a kid uh and Jurassic World um I kind of just so it I I had this weird thing happen to me on Jurassic World like I was following all of my favorite critics and they were giving positive reviews but then I would check my Twitter feed and all of my friends were like hating it like (laughs) just absolutely calling out on his bullshit everything uh so I went in the following Tuesday because I didn't see it opening weekend. I had a film project going on at the time. Uh, I saw it like the Tuesday after and was like, it's fine. Like, I really love the third act because again, it's just a dinosaur and another dinosaur and a little dinosaur fighting. Um, and it's in this, in Jurassic World, like I still think it's actually a really good shot. You have this one great like continuous shot like that's just going over the park as the dinosaurs are fighting. Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard are, you know, running through and trying to avoid the the damage these dinosaurs are wrecking havoc of. And then finally the shot ends with the megasaur or mesosaurus, you know, coming in and getting the ice irex. Um so it's just like I thought that was a great like climax, but overall the movie was kind of boring and kind of like a less interesting, <laughs> like a less interesting version of Gremlins Two, because uh, it really is just like, you know, it, it's a very anarchy movie, um, but just in like the most boring way. Um, and then I also only saw Fallen Kingdom at an early screening when it came out, and. I felt like the second half was really great. Like all the stuff in the haunted house and the big mansion uh, was fantastic. I even kind of liked the reveal that Maisie is a clone uh, because it's one of those things that I'm sure is controversial uh, for the series as a story. But it's one of those things that's like, oh yeah, like why wouldn't we, if we figured out how to clone dinosaurs, why wouldn't we figure out how to clone humans? Like, you know proper so it was a nice addition even though Maisie as a character is very much a plot device in that movie um and she has like the worst line of dialogue in that whole movie where she releases the dinosaurs onto the world 
um and she has like the worst delivery everything like it's just a bad like no matter what you know it's just bad but jay but like you said jay boyana really brings it um even though his choice to shoot in the cinemascope widescreen kind of doesn't work for dress it, it i don't think cinemascope or anamorphic widescreen works for jurassic park just because of you know when you have to shoot these dinosaurs these tall dinosaurs shooting it in widescreen kind of takes away the scale of it uh so it doesn't really work um and that's why i kind of appreciate colin trevorrow just going the two like almost not full frame but just like expanding it a little bit so um but but that's kind of my run down i think this i think the franchise is genuinely fine it's entertaining for a day but other than that like there's only one classic and it's only a classic because it combines Crichton's very like extremely disturbing novel <laughs> mixed with um spielberg's like majesty and so you get this nice warm blanket while also watching a horror movie uh and none of that's here now in the jurassic world series unfortunately um but yeah so this brings us to dominion um david i've talked for a little while why don't you um give us some non-spoiler thoughts on dominion um so as i've kind of attested to i didn't go into this with the highest expectations um, did I. even though I, I did like that that teaser trailer or the not the well i like the prologue they released for it was fine that they released like, even though it's not in this movie um that they released with furious nine I, I liked that and then i liked the teaser they released like i don't know a few months ago or whatever um that was a pretty nice teaser. And so I was like, okay, maybe this will be better than I thought it would. Um, it definitely looks more cinematic than the first Jurassic World, but I think uh, The Fallen Kingdom has the best cinematography and color grading of the three. It has the best look. I just don't agree with Boyana's choice to shoot it in widescreen. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a good look. It's just, I don't agree with... I, I think for these dinosaur movies, you kind of have to go the Oscar ratio or the I-85 because these dinosaurs are mm -hmm. so tall. Or even that IMAX ratio of 191 or 190. Yeah. So, but that's just me nitpicking, so. So, I didn't hate this movie, but I also didn't really think it was very good either, so it's just kind of like, eh, it's okay. Um, I don't really know what's considered a spoiler or not because i feel like but i'll just say yeah i thought it was fine the characters are paper thin in this um i did like how they incorporated the legacy characters so the original trio from the first jurassic park of uh, sam neill um or i guess uh, alan uh, grant um uh, lc ellie sattler ellie sattler and uh ian malcolm ian Ma Mm -hmm. uh, I liked how they were incorporated into the story, although it definitely feels like they were like a late addition because of like how uh, almost inconsequential they are to the story in a sense. Like you can definitely tell there's like a plot going on 
with the Jurassic World characters. And then there's this like B plot going on with the legacy characters. And then it eventually kind of intersects for like, oh, here's this cool crossover. These people are meeting these people. And then when they cross over, they kind of like fan boy, fan girl out over each other. And it's just kind of like, okay. Um, but then like, I, I will say the best thing I can say about this movie is that as one of these recent Lego sequels, I was pleasantly surprised how much restraint Colin Trevorrow had in terms of uh, like kind of making it a nostalgia fest, especially when you compare this to Jurassic World like which very much was that where it's like almost beat for beat derivative of Jurassic Park and there is a sequence in this that is literally ripped right out of the original Jurassic uh, Jurassic Park sorry I'm starting to complete them a little bit um, mm -hmm. and we'll touch on that in spoilers but that that one pissed me off but the rest of it I was I was happy that they didn't have these characters like running around saying their like iconic quotes is like catchphrases like I hate that um and so I was really relieved they did not do that um so yeah uh, it's it's a decent movie if you're truly invested in this series go see it if you're not just wait a few weeks and rent it or stream it on peacock when it gets gets there or whatever it's like, if, if you don't care for the, the series so far, it's really not worth seeing or unless or at least immediately or even at all, if you care that little. <laughs> um, same, I will all, same. I will say that if you are like a big dinosaur nut, um, I would say like, just go see it because dinosaur movies are so few and far between and even if like you don't think the depiction of these dinosaurs are realistic or authentic you are seeing dinosaur cgi dinosaurs and practical dinosaurs on the big screen and to me that's a plus uh but other than that like yeah this franchise is kind of dull and uh and it's kind of like and, and David and I will both, and David did kind of say like, yes, these legacy characters, there is restraint. They're not taking over the entire movie, but they do have the much more interesting subplot, um, personally. Like, because the problem with our main characters, um, Owen and uh, Claire, uh, they are basically on a Liam Neeson style international adventure. <laughs> And to me, <laughs> that's just not as interesting as like the corporate, you know, got to break in the system, you know, plot that um, Alan Grant, Alan and Ellie and Ian have. Uh, so they kind of, so unintentionally, they kind of do hijack the plot, but in, in, but intention but this is still meant to be you know owen and claire's story even though or owen claire and Maisie and blue's story even though we kind of you kind of care a lot more about <laughs> the other plot than the actual plot than the main plot uh so um but yeah it, it is weird but yeah um 
other than that, just wait for Peacock or it'll be on. Universal still has that POV, PVOD deal. Just wait like 17 or 30 days. So do that instead. All right. So David, we're going to go into spoilers. Um, what's Don't go towards... Really, oh, go really ahead. quick, so, go before ahead. we do, you did remind me of something that I could positively say about this movie. Uh, you, you mentioned like the dinosaur, dinosaur effects. I thought the uh, use of both animatronics and the CGI was pretty good for the dinosaurs. Like there was never like something that took me completely out of it. Like where I was like, okay, even though I know these dinosaurs are fake, obviously, like I never sat there and thought, wow, these dinosaurs look so fake. Like, you know, it's like, okay, I, this is like convincing enough as either a CGI or animatronic that I can buy into what's going on. And I, I just wanted to quickly praise it for that. And Fallen Kingdom also used animatronics as well, I believe, and kind of a mix. And I thought it worked well there. Um, whereas the first Jurassic World, I believe, was completely CGI for the dinos. They had one uh, animatronic shot, and it's very obvious when you see the movie. It's the, oh, is it the um, one where there's like the dead bronchiosaurus or something? Or yes, yeah, so one is dying, yeah. and Claire has like the moment of like pure sadness or something. Um, that's the only animatronic in the movie. Everything else is CGI, and then yeah, Fallen Kingdom. They kind of inco- incorporated it more, and then. Uh, and then this one, they kind of went half and half. Uh, I thought this was a good mix. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's a very good mix. Um, especially given that Jurassic World Dominion also doesn't have like a $250 million budget. Um, it's only 185. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. That's that, or according to Wikipedia, but yeah. It's actually not that ba- bad for a budget with all these characters when they... So, yeah, it's kind of doing really good. Anyway, um, let's go into spoilers. Uh, David, don't jump immediately to the end. Kind of... Okay. Um, thanks, for, thanks for giving me my electric fences to navigate through. Everybody, what, is, what do they call it in the new one? <laughs> Like they have like this like little implant that like it, it stimulates their um, neuro center or whatever. Uh, we'll say implants because I know okay. what you're talking about. I just don't remember what uh what that character called it. Okay, probably. So, but yeah. <laughs> probably one of the things I hated most about this movie is that. It had such like a generic like corporate conspiracy plot that is in so many blockbusters these days. Like for example, like they they had like the CEO who's this like tech genius guy who's like kind of like almost like a I don't know like a Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg type. Um, um, I heard someone like, compare Tim Cook. Okay, Tim Cook. That's actually very good comparison he even looks like tim cook um <laughs> you have this like evil ceo who's like plotting this stuff so he can make money or whatever you know like it's this whole corporate conspiracy nonsense and like i was just like what the hell is this like why why is this like the main plot you have this like much more interesting idea of 
like that fallen kingdom sets up perfectly on a platter of this idea of okay what are you going to do with these dinosaurs integrating into society and the movie even like teases that idea at the very beginning where they have this whole like news broadcast discussing it and they even have like this like poll up here where it's like here's the public opinion on what should be done with these dinosaurs if they should just be left to roam free or they should be brought back into another park or just be killed like they have this whole like that that seems to me like that should be like the question of this movie and then it's like ignored for almost the entire runtime and then it's like they just throw it back in at the very end and i won't i won't like actually answer that question yet since kale's uh, kind of geofencing me um but I, i'll i'll just say that like pissed me off so much because it's like why do you like introduce this idea that seems to be setting up like the course of this movie and then completely ignore it in favor of some nonsense corporate conspiracy of like mutant locusts that are like gone out of control and it's like what what is this like i i came here to see like dinosaurs not not locusts nonsense yeah giant locusts i should mind you um giant mutated locusts that yeah um okay so yeah and that's the other thing too the so there's no prologue like the prologue that we saw in front of fast nine or fast and furious nine it's not in this movie anymore, which is kind of fine because when you watch the prologue, it doesn't really make any sense of what you're watching. Like you just see a bunch of dinosaurs roaming around and then you cut to immediately a T-Rex, you know, devastating a drive-in, which is funny because it's still in the advertisements. Yeah. It's and I actually liked, I liked that specific part of the prologue. Like I was like, that was kind of the interesting thing about this movie to me was this idea of seeing like okay now these dinosaurs are running rampant all over the world and then it's like psych we got them contained in another park it's like what like yeah uh <laughs> and even funnier this is a globetrotting adventure or a globe oh my gosh that also annoyed me is that they change location like in the first act like every five minutes they're jumping somewhere else and it's like it's like Rogue you One. never <laughs> yes and you never really get your bearings on where you are and then like even in like the set pieces themselves like this one especially like there's a set piece in malta where di where these raptors are being controlled by the laser gun which is kind of set up by fallen kingdom it's like that didn't annoy me because that's like set up but then like what annoyed me is how it was shot and edited like and then like even the blocking of this of the sequence like there's no geography to what you're watching and so it's just like borderline incomprehensible you're just watching nonsense like dinosaurs like you you just see like oh here's close-up of chris pratt oh there's a dinosaur and then it's just like there's no geography to the scene like you, you're very lost in what's where people are like you know they're in this location, Malta. But then, like, also, even the setup to this action scene is, like, borderline incomprehensible as well because they, like, go in this, like, underground, like, 
black market dinosaur thing. They leave Claire there. And then like, they don't really set up the idea that she's just going to stay in there by herself. Then Owen and uh, Omar Sy's character, I, I don't remember his name, I'm sorry. But um, I, I remember the actor's going. name. Um, they like set up this like sting operation so they can catch this like black market dinosaur dealer or whatever. So they Barry. can hopefully find Barry. Like Barry, like this should know. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Go. <laughs> um, so like they, like they, it seems like they're infiltrating this black market and then you just cut and they're like observing to see when someone comes and suddenly she's by herself. But like, it's just like, what? When did that happen? Like, it's just, I, like, I, I don't want to be like spoon fed, but at the same time, like, you're, you're just like, kind of, it's just like, there's no logic to what's happening on screen. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the Malta scene. I mean, it still has a purpose because um, it also because not only did we find out where the care do Claire and Owen find out where the um, Maisie is but they also run into DeWanda Wise's character Kayla Watts um, who unf- who we haven't talked about enough yet because I think she I think DeWanda, DeWanda Wise is a really good actress but she barely has anything to do with the plot yeah, which I think is what you can say about most of the cast. Like, is that, like, I, like I said earlier, the writing is so paper thin for all these characters. The only ones you really care about, well, like, especially because no one ever cared about these Jurassic World characters. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> no one was ever truly invested in um, Owen Grady and Claire because, like. They never were given any compelling characterization or anything. The only reason people care about them at all is just because of the actors playing them, if they like them, people, those people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and sadly, it's the same case with her. And I thought she was a nice addition. I disagree with you. I wish she would have gotten more to do. And then, like, also, like, her motivation behind helping them feels weirdly rushed and kind of poorly executed in this in the way that like oh I witnessed them taking this girl oh you came to me and then like you showed me it and instead of immediately jumping on board and saying like oh like realizing right then and there I'm suddenly going to pop up out of nowhere while you're being chased by a dinosaur you know plot convenience and I'm going to take you to my plane and we're going to fly away and it's just kind of like it, it, it I don't know it's kind of like this like gap in logic behind like where did we get from here to here and why didn't it happen earlier when it could have like why is it why didn't she just help her then when she showed her the picture and uh, if she felt so bad about the fact this girl was being like trafficked or whatever and i don't know it's just weird yeah well i mean it's just like you gotta prolong the plot you gotta you know it's just like <clears throat> I, I don't know and also the the whole opening, so all of the stuff with Maisie in the opening where she crosses the bridge and she sees the Brachiosaurus like walk through the snow, there's something, I will say this, there's something majestic about how Trevorrow shoots these dinosaurs in the snow. 
Like it feels... I actually loved the opening and then it just went downhill from there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. And speaking of that bridge, I think that's the same bridge from A Quiet Place. It looks the same to me. I, I, I don't know if it was shot in the same location or not, but the bridge looks really similar. Um, I can look. But, but here's what I, it probably is. Um, but it does look very much like it. Um, what I will, I do like the opening. I do like the opening with blue. So I did not see Fallen Kingdom like right before this you did um does fallen kingdom still have the ending of like blue looking over a nevada town or an arizona town yeah so my question now suddenly she's in like colorado or whatever (laughs) yeah yeah right she so my question for that is like fallen kingdom ends blue in like a very interesting place like she basically is kind of the caesar for this franchise if you will like she's independent uh she's taking names um literally um and she i mean she's just she has her own story going on at the end of fallen kingdom and here it's just relegated to oh you're now a mother you're now you know you're and you live with your you know the person who also like trained you so or like you know held you in captivity (laughs) so what i thought was really weird about that was how like they didn't seem to be well like blue seemed to be aware of them but they didn't seem to be aware of blue prior to her revealing herself and so it's kind of like how did you have like if you're like this like skilled raptor trainer or whatever and how did you how did you not ever catch on to the fact that blue was like living right behind your house or like anything like that and then like then the movie like completely sidelines blue the baby gets kidnapped and blue just kind of chills there i guess for the rest of the movie and then even the baby being kidnapped is a storyline that's almost forgotten about until the very end of the movie yeah, I mean, and the baby's name is Beta. So, and Beta and Maisie, they, at first, like when they're uh, plotting their escape, which, I mean, Maisie easily escaped from this facility, like no problem. Um, which is kind of funny to watch, given how, like, this is a highly secured area and she just, like, releases a, you know, raptor, like she's just pulling a lever. Like, yeah. and yeah beta is very much for that's the other problem with this movie this movie forgets that oh yeah beta exists it forgets that beta and blue exists like it's like colin Mm -hmm. trevorrow and uh other screenwriter emily carmichael they forgot like oh yeah we have this other interesting character which is weird because like to give them a little bit of credit for this course of this trilogy i would argue blue is kind of like the heart of it and probably the most in most most probably the the being on screen that you feel the most uh feel a connection with well she like, has not, the most you character feel, <laughs> you feel more connection with the cold-blooded reptile than you do with chris pratt <laughs> like <laughs> 
you mean you know you mean you mean uh owen dangerfield or something from lego movie two uh yeah did you see that one Mm -hmm. yeah i got that's yeah that's what i mean that's what owen that's what chris pratt is in this movie he's just that character just in a very stoic form that's humorless and it's so bad. It's so bad to see this. You know, it's so awful to see this because it's like Chris Pratt is such a talented actor, especially with comedic chops. And here he is; he's relegated to being the action star, and it's so boring. And then mm-hmm. Claire, and then Bryce Dallas Howard is such a great actress, but she's relegated to damsel in distress. But slash strong mom. enough, to, slash mom. <laughs> he's given all of the typical like female roles you know the stereotypical female roles and here and so she doesn't have a whole lot to do and it's still boring um so it, oh wait wait, just, wait she's got one more angle to her character she's releasing dinosaurs from um poachers captivity. And stuff. yeah oh claire how noble <laughs> we started this trilogy with you being a corporate hack yeah now she, she's oh. corporate hack turned um like She's uh, hacking the corporate liberist or whatever. She's Edward Snowden, but for but for freeing the animals. Not animals, just dinosaurs. Don't, dinosaurs, don't think don't me. give her too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's still gonna feed those dinosaurs with animals. Um and then we get to the legacy characters. Let's get to the locus of it all. Um these huge Locust. I've not seen this much locust in a movie since Exorcism Two: The Heretic. Um, and yeah, I don't mind the locust subplot. It's just again, it's like, wait, this is a this should be a movie. If we're following the trajectory of Fallen Kingdom, this should be a movie about like animals and like trying to coexist or not animals, dinosaurs trying to coexist with humans and vice versa. So the story really should be about how these characters cope or this world copes with, you know, being, you know, sent back to the prehistoric era, prehistoric era. Um, So now we have this locus subplot where science, where I buy a reality where they could, this could happen, but it's also, like you said, it's done in the most like ham-fisted way. Or it's done in the most, you know, of course it's this way. Um, and also, again, you know, come, going back to that character from the, you know, original movie, um, what's the scientist's name? Uh, Henry remember. Wu. Like, Henry oh. Wu, like, you keep messing it up. Like, you keep messing it up for humanity. It's Why like, are you acting sad? It's, like, hilarious how he, like, jumps around from, like, and like now suddenly he feels bad about mutant locusts when he was like create engineering these like weapons of mass mass destruction and dino form like for the past two movies but that didn't bother him but suddenly locusts are like wiping out humanity by like destroying their food source and you're you've created this ecological disaster and i mean i understand that would make someone have like regardless of how evil you are quote unquote like even that would like kind of like mess with anybody but like why is that where you draw the line and and then like 
It's just like it didn't have an eye in front of it. He couldn't put eye locus. He just like jumps around from like bad guy to bad guy, being their like head, like DNA <laughs> or what? I don't even know what his Genes- geneticist. Uh, geneticist. Like he being their head geneticist for like every evil company in these movies and it's just so funny to me that he just like jumps ship and then he ends up with another one and how like it's also weird how like the companies like so like each move so like engine are like the bad guys quote unquote in the original uh and then like there's this the lockwood estate or whatever and the second one and then now we have this other company it's like, why couldn't you have just like made it consistent this one company through like why could why wasn't engine the same? I don't know. Why did it have to change hands, you know? So to answer your question, um bio biosyngenetics is actually in the first very first movie. So do you okay. remember that guy that talked to um Wayne Knight's character from the first movie, uh, the guy that has the Indiana Jones kind of get up. Yeah. Um, he is, so that is Campbell Scott in this movie. Lewis Dodson uh, is, so it's uh, it's like Top Gun Maverick. We're going to tie it all back together, you know. Um, and so Dodson is this is the CEO of Bios. And so Genetics they're like who, a rival company. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that engine's dead. Okay. Dead and I, I can I can forgive that, I guess. But like why why did we have this like other one introduced in Fallen Kingdom and like I don't know, it's just this whole mess of like Henry Wu just jumping ship to like three different times. If I remember correctly, uh Fallen Kingdom has like the subplot where they're selling the dinosaurs to like the mafia or something, right? Yeah. And like that is at least like I mean I guess it's all tied to John Hammond in a way, but it's just kind of messy. Anyways, well, we can just move on past this gripe. Like it's whatever. Yeah. The movie's yeah, but... stupid. And so mm-hmm. I'll forgive this. <laughs> yeah, no, but on that note of like Campbell Scott, like I do actually unintentionally like his performance because it's so like weird and like and when he has his little moment where he's losing control and he's just like fake punching, um the monitor screen it's just really funny (laughs) it's really funny to watch like campbell's like him just like fake pretending like just losing his mind or like you know he kind of like nails the like snl-lification of that like tech uh ceo tim cook type he kind of nails that that's like for for what it is yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah no and i do you know yeah and it is kind of funny that ian malcolm is already there working but uh it is but it is like genuine it's funny to me only because you know it's like oh why would ian malcolm be here and then we get introduced yeah. to uh ramsey ramsey was the one that invited him over and convinced him that you know no they're doing this like weird shit with locusts uh and all this stuff and then that invite and then they get invited and then they invite ellie sadler and uh alan grant so that's how they're introduced to the plot although we meet 
Ellie earlier on when she's in a field investigating locusts after like some kids were attacked on a on a field. So, oh, quick question: Are the locusts actually man eaters? Like, can they eat people, or is that just like? Oh, I don't know. We didn't we didn't really find that out. I guess because we never really saw them. I mean, they attacked humans twice in the movie. I guess. But I don't know that we ever saw them eat meat. I think locusts tend to eat grains or whatever. Um, right, but they're mutated, so that's why <laughs> that's why I'm so curious. I don't know. I get, I'm not sure. Because um, that would be kind of scary to be like in a locust, like running away from locusts, and then you're just like being chomped on. Like like that scene in the Hellboy Two with the fairies. So. Yeah. Um, I think. Um, and then we get to Ellie Sadler and Ellie and Alan have like a little you know subplot where they go and get some DNA from one of the locusts, and I don't know. Like, I think El. I really do like um, Sam and Laura, Sam Neil and Laura Dern here because they really are just like playing those characters again and not missing a beat. Yeah. And then, well, I guess we, we're not quite at the end, so I'll leave it at that. But <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. I know what you're talking about. But, but, but yeah, but yeah, I do like their performances. And I do like the scene where they're in the mine shaft with Maisie. Um, it is kind of funny that Maisie doesn't bring Beta along. Like, Beta just kind of is like, running around the science facility just like wreck, wrecking Bunch, havoc yeah. <laughs> like come on Maisie be a team player you know well it's beta. like you think like in terms of like just the structure of the screenplay you think they would want to like keep them together like logically in the terms of okay they were kidnapped together why don't they escape together like instead you just like let it wreak havoc and abandon it for like another 30 40 minutes and then we'll come back and rescue it or whatever so we can have the like raptor hand thing so we can harken back to the first jurassic world you know it's just like whatever um i will and say fallen kingdom in fallen kingdom with okay. the video yeah go ahead I'm okay. sorry. i will say to give this movie a little bit of credit even though it sounds like we're really dogging on it which we are but like just another thing you reminded me of i did like that he incorporated dinosaurs we haven't seen on screen in this franchise before like with like i don't i don't know what they're all called so forgive me for that but like when they're in the mine shaft they're those i had the toy when i was a kid not a jurassic park toy but a toy of this dinosaur they look kind of like komodo dragons but they have like this uh kind of fin on their back they they're the ones that like come after alan and ellie and then there are the ones that are kind of like a velociraptor, but they have like almost like feathers. Um, they're those that are in this movie. Uh, there are probably some others. And then there's the one that's apparently like the Joker dinosaur, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard a human being. I can't believe Colin Javaro came out and said that with no shame. And then, <laughs> then I watched the movie like expecting the dinosaur to say that we live in a society or something. 
and that didn't happen, which was a little disappointing. And the Gigantosaurus, <laughs> is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Did you did you see that Colin Javaro came out and said the Gigantosaurus is like the Joker? Did you see that? Yes, I did. And I think um in an interview with Discussing Film, uh by Andrew Salazar, uh he kind of clarified that, you know, he was trying to describe like Joker had just come out. Uh, so he was trying to describe to the art department, uh, like what the gigant—I guess the gigantosaurus like color scheme should look like—and he was like, "Just look like melted, you know, face paint. Make it white, green, and purple as an yeah. homage to the Joker." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give yeah, it and tattoos gigant- and a and a grill. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, Gigantosaurus did say we live in a society to T-Rex we li- where honor is a distant memory. <laughs> we live in a society, Alan. <laughs> we live in a society, Owen. Get it together. Um, <laughs> but no, so they do have the fight with the Gigantosaurus in that like treehouse thing. Um, with, and that's where, the, so this plot also, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense structurally like why you would do it but also it is like plot convenience the movie where the characters just literally where the legacy characters literally like flip a car over to the other main characters yeah and land exactly where they're at even though geography if you see the geography of the location it doesn't make any sense like where did they come from did they jump Mm -hmm. from a hill (laughs) uh like did they jump from somewhere did they just flip really far um did ian malcolm set the flip mobile um option instead of drive um (laughs) i don't know it's just really funny like how those characters just got to one place um even and also we should talk about like how no one really dies in this movie yeah, there's no sense of stakes because no important characters. Like, I, I, I can understand if you introduce some supporting characters in this movie to use as dinosaur fodder, but they didn't do that. That all the new supporting characters, sorry, I mean, I guess we're in spoilers, so it's whatever. Um, yeah. All the supporting characters that are introduced in this movie make it to the end, with the exception of Tim Cook knockoff, um, who dies, which this is what I was talking about earlier. Okay, who yeah, dies go ahead. And they, exact same way copied beat for beat as Wayne Knight's character from the original Jurassic Park where he's trying to escape the facility with a with a barbasol can which if that's implied to be the same barbasol can from the original Jurassic Park which is. is what I picked up on that is so preposterous like how did you find that thing on Isla Nubar Nublar when it was like we saw it was getting covered with mud, which to me seemed to be an indication from Spielberg of, okay, this thing is gone. It's buried. Like it's, it's been covered. Like, how are you going to find that thing? Like, I understand. How do you even know that Wayne Knight was successful in obtaining the DNA in, or getting all of the DNA into the Barbasol can to know that that can would even be on the island filled with what you need to begin with? And then two, how are you going to find it on this giant facility and then you happen to find it in the years between Jurassic Park and Fallen Kingdom before the island got blown up or whatever. 
you know, I just don't buy it. Like, that's just like a stretch too far for even as ridiculous as this movie is like, that's, that's absurd. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's a nod to, uh, by the way, I finally found out the character's name, uh, Dennis Nedry. It's a nod to that character and a nod to like their it's confrontation. A, it's a their... glove shit moment. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, but you know, it's, it's what it is. It is funny that it is, I mean, it's supposed to be like an ironic way, but it is also like. It's shamelessly it, copied. It's the same exact dinosaurs that find him. He loses the can in a similar manner. The vehicle stops on him. And like, I mean, it's not exactly the same because it's like underground subway instead of a car or whatever. But it's like he's getting out because vehicle, he had vehicle issues. And then he's confronted by that dinosaur. He goes back and then there's a group of them and they attack him and kill him or whatever. Oh, but the can's left lying outside. And so it's like, it's it's too similar to where it's like really guys, you, you you like had no shame in copying. You did control C, control V, no shame. <laughs> and I understand no. he. That's the entirety of Jurassic World is cut and paste of Jurassic Park, anyways. So I don't expect Colin Trevorrow to have any shame. But <laughs> he, here he did. He he almost made the whole movie without resorting to that, and then he went there anyways. Yeah, and even the death scene is so tame. Like, it's what it. I will say though, like I will say that the first uh, Dilophosaurus attack with Claire is actually kind of cool. Like, there's how, cool like, moments they grab the throat. in this movie. There's cool moments in this movie with dinosaurs, but I think, well, on your kind of on this idea of there not really being any stakes in the movie, is that anytime they're confronted by dinosaurs it's resolved way too quickly and way too easily where mm -hmm. like it the tension isn't sustained long enough for it to be like a truly for me to fully engage with the sequence like you know like it's like okay just as i'm getting into like oh my gosh this character's in danger it's like something happens and it, okay it's resolved yeah, absolutely. And then also on that point, when we get to the final attack between um, the Gigantosaur, the Joker di dinosaur, J-Rex and T-Rex. And uh, then this had one shot that like made me roll my eyes so hard was they had that circular thing in the facility and the T-Rex walks in front of it to like stand in pose. It's the Jurassic Park logo. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is awful. Why did you... <laughs> Oh, I chuck. I laughed so hard. I'm like, and I laughed hard and did the Leo DiCaprio like oh. The thing, I was just the like thing. I was just like you got to be kidding me. Like there is no shame on this movie. <laughs> what are you talking about? Colin Trevorrow zero... is a hack. He needs to go to direct director jail, be sentenced immediately. He wasn't in there long enough after Book of Henry. Gotta gotta put him in there and throw away the key. I'm sorry. If he has to share a cell with JJ Abrams, so be it. They can talk <laughs> about episode nine together and their different iterations. Uh, speaking of which, like it, even though I like uh, yeah, I, I was gonna I ask about like, this. 
I have like relatively mixed feelings on the rise of Skywalker, but I like skew positive, but definitely way more positive than you do. I am so grateful that is the version we got over Colin Jamaro's awful script. One of the best things Kathleen Kennedy did in her tenure is fire Colin Trevorrow in addition to like giving uh, Ryan Johnson creative control over Last Jedi. <laughs> okay, so that was going to be what I was going to ask you because we, I mean, we never got Duel of the Fates um, depending on who you are, fortunately or unfortunately. Um, people only, people are only interested in that movie because it had some cool concept art. I know it's it's true. The script is awful. <laughs> it's not even it's not even the concept art for me. It's that there are some. It's a much more coherent story. There are some um, things you can cherry pick from there, and you can cherry pick from Trosh and Tross and put them together, <laughs> and it'd be a much more satisfying version of Episode Nine. I can agree with that, but like it's just as bad, if not worse, overall. Yeah, and we can, I mean, and you and I have talked actually over the weekend about, you know, this, but I mean, to be, but if I'm being honest, like, I think, you know, while yes, I can say like, you know, yeah, Duel of the Fates is a much more coherent story, like easier to follow than Rise of Skywalker. It also is not, it also would it would also kind of be too weird it also would have been too because that movie also has like you know like giant like a like a giant vampire bug or something like it has you know it has like weird and is kind of like putting uh kylo ren for the through the ringer like yeah like that's the thing i hate most about his script is like the treatment of Kylo Ren is awful. Like and, it's like, and go, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's just where I stand on that. Like I think the way that script treats Kylo Ren is atrocious. Like it's and like then, that's Han and Leia's mm-hmm. son. He deserves yeah. redemption. Like the whole purpose of their sacrifices in their respective movies is for Ben to come back to the light. Like, and then you just throw that completely out the window. That's, I mean, it's a tragedy, but it's just like, that sucks. (laughs) Yeah, and also, even Rise of Skywalker doesn't do that completely successfully. It's like Um, halfway there, and then they kill him off, and that's where they, that's where they botch it. Yeah, no, it's, I don't know, and also, I mean, Duel of Fates also has a problem of Poe, like, he doesn't really know what to do with Poe Dameron, uh, post, uh, post TLJ so it other than to make him the love interest of Ray and be like all the time like Ray I'm here I'm here to be the love interest Ray I'm here to be the love interest again Ray don't leave I'm the love interest come back or wait for me it's which I mean that I (laughs) I can see like you know I mean I can see like Ray you know and Poe because because actually one of the things that Colin Trevorrow did ask Ryan Johnson to put in uh, for Last Jedi was at least like have like Poe and Ray like meet. So that's why there's that one like very quick yeah. split of that's the only like thing Colin asked whereas Johnson asked Abrams to put uh, to switch BB-8 and R2-D2. 
Yeah. So that so that was the only that was the one request that Trevorrow had. So, but yeah, I mean, it's I I don't know. I think, but I mean, I do think episode nine was kind of doomed in its fate. It's kind of um, doomed with like Carrie passing. Like that kind of just like leaves you in a weird place to try. Um. Yeah. yeah. So back well like before we completely transition back i do want to talk quickly about how it's so interesting and fascinating to me that these two sequel trilogies followed the same exact trajectory more or less and how they both started off with a movie that heavily homages the original has similar plot beats and is widely successful and beloved by most people uh, i i'll say majority even though I think The Force Awakens is a much better movie than Jurassic World. And much more beloved. Much more beloved. They have a similar kind of, more or less, they have a similar reception. And even the movies themselves have a lot in common. Then you have The Last Jedi and Fallen Kingdom, which are both way more divisive compared to those previous movies. Um, They also go outside of the sandbox of what's been done before i mean you have the haunted house thing with jurassic world which i think people tend to agree on liking but uh more or less and then you have everything ryan johnson in the last jedi that people complain about or whatever um and both of those are more arguably like auteur driven um Mm Well, I mean, Jay Boyana and Ryan Johnson are of a pair. They're of, of a kind of director that's very much, like, they very much are skilled young filmmakers that hit it really out of the gate with their first movie. Uh, I think Jay Boyanas was The Orphanage or one of his earliest. And then Ryan Johnson came mm-hmm. out of the gate with Brick. So, and then also both of them have directed TV. Um and or certain tv episodes i mean so they have like jay boyana and ryan johnson both have very similar like treks in their filmography they both have done very different unique films uh and then they got to do a sequel and like the middle chapter in the trilogy and bring something new to the table but also have that middle chapter be like widely disliked like yes more people are like more people are open to the haunted house stuff but also i would argue this was more like heated than jurassic world was like just because like that whole section with the volcano and all oh yeah yeah. and then like the clone the clone macy being a clone whatever um and then we have the director of the first movie in this trilogy is brought ends up being brought back after some creative differences and stuff to come bring it home and they both kind of regress to more of a safe place um quote unquote to tell their stories and finish their respective sagas and both kind of have seemed to have a similar public reception as well yeah, absolutely. I mean, even this one, I mean, Trevorrow even stated like he doesn't, he never wanted to go back to a park when he was doing the rounds in 2015. But in this movie, we go not necessarily to a park, to a, but back to a sanctuary. 
to a nature preserve or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like where dinosaurs okay. can be observed. As I do air quotes. As yeah. Dave and I do air quotes. I mean, uh, I, I do like that it wasn't like a theme park, but it was a contained location for the dinosaurs. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Where do we go from here? <laughs> and well, I mean, to kind of finish up that point, I understand like they did have to like they had to kind of go and stay in one area for the filming. Like they had to kind of choose their locations wisely. So like most of this movie was filmed in like London uh, where Trevorrow just so happens to live. Um, and, uh, but they still had to, but aside all that, like they had to kind of, I understand like they probably had to for budgetary and also just like logistical reasons because this was one of the, if not the first movie back in back into production uh immediately during covid uh, during covid so i understand like and also this movie didn't they, they, they were, were the first ones back in. and then they had like a bunch of cases <clears throat> oh yeah <clears throat> as like paradise and jada patel's the bubble um i i i did notice when i think they they handled it well like where it made sense in the story but i did notice the scene on um suits with the masks like i was like okay that was definitely filmed during covid (laughs) the hazmat suits Mm -hmm, right absolutely i mean and i get it i mean i understand i mean i understand like the decisions made but it is kind of like you literally just did regret you literally threw away the most interesting like the hook for your third movie for a you know for to basically do the same thing that you know every other movie has done and it's kind of interesting because the rise of skywalker does that too in a sense absolutely and 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 to be fair to trevorrow he is late he is kind of like late to the game uh with like his lego sequel so he's had like multiple He's had to witness like multiple legacy sequels, like Fall and Rise. It's weird to me that he was he had he was afforded the luxury of observation, like In he hindsight. got to witness, and then he makes the same mistakes. Except in one way, the legacy characters are not like. If you like, if you're really, really into the plot of Owen and Claire, they don't really take over the movie per se. But the problem is, the Locust plot is somehow even more interesting than what Owen and Claire are doing. Owen, Claire, and Kayla are doing. I was more interested in the like rescue thing than the Locusts, but I was more interested in the characters associated with the Locusts than the rescue, if that makes sense. Even though the like it's Fair it's enough. not so much like the rescue of like the globe trotting aspect of it, like I felt like that was kind of boring, generic, whatever. But like when they actually got to the facility, like I was more interested in them trying to break in or whatever. And they are, and yeah, and in Rise of Skywalker and Dominion both have a scene where the main like or the main female character Maisie is like having self doubt. She doesn't know where her place is. She's being angsty about it. And much like Ray is in Rise of Skywalker, and then has someone like a legacy character tell her, 
no you're not you know an evil clone or whatever the no you're not papal you're not evil or whatever it's and i do think in dominion they do handle it a lot better because laura not because it works better here it just laura dern really sells like the shit out of the scene where she tells her about her mother and about how you know she, she was like her miracle in all of the in in all of this and i do love that part of it because because if there is one decent plot of the movie it is Maisie trying to figure out who her mother is mm-hmm. and which yeah. is another thing in common with ray like where it's like okay i'm gonna find out who my parents are like they have the whole like here it's like you are a clone but like not really you're kind of like your your mom like produced you like she she like it's your mom was asexual and so she like gave birth to you herself with no conception and it was like okay uh, whatever i uh, okay I, I buy that you're through science genetics yeah. yeah through science you had a child um i i'm more on board with that than the palpatine thing so i will i, I will agree like that um then there's another well we're not quite at the end but there's a there was another there's a few other things that like i noticed that were kind of similar okay um all right and then do you want to just get to the ending yeah Uh, let's do it okay you go through your thing and then i'll go through mine so when Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler kiss, it's the same kiss as Raylo. It's the Raylo kiss. It's like the same hand placement and everything. <laughs> I did not notice that at all. But then again, and, and I liked both of those. Like I think, like and and I thought, especially with Ellie and Alan, like I feel like it works as kind of like this rekindling of their their relationship after all these years or whatever. Like it, it I think I that was my one of my favorite aspects of the movie of like. It's like they should have ended up together after Jurassic Park, and then you had Jurassic Park three kind of mess that up, and yeah. And, but I think it works here with like the sense of like, okay, Alan, like after all these years, he's like kind of buried himself in his work, and he chose that over her, whatever. And then now he's like not happy with that, and I, I like that aspect of it. Yeah, because I mean, in Jurassic Park three, I do kind of like the the bait and switch of like because we do open with Sam playing with uh or not Sam uh, Alan playing with Laura um, Ellie's kids, and then we find out that no, he's not the dad, and I do like that, and then also kind of like they are still friends and they are still because I feel like it would be one thing to like. I understand like the very ending of Jurassic Park hints that Alan, you know, wants to be something more with Ellie and, and to build that forward. But the other thing is I do kind of appreciate that they are friends and they are mutual colleagues at the end of that movie. And then the kiss happens and I'm like, I think this movie makes a satisfying payoff to it all. Yeah. It is. You didn't like the kiss. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Did I you mean, see? I... Did you see the? Did you see the official Jurassic World Twitter retweeted a pic? Someone put his 
posted a picture of that from the theater and the official Jurassic World Twitter account retweeted that spoiler onto their account. <laughs> See, it's ran by the the Joker Rex, the J-Rex. We live in the society. Um, no, but I think it's a, for me, the way I kind of view Ellie and Alan's relationship is maybe it was a fling. Maybe it was, a, you know, like a little too much of student professor. Because, I mean, Ellie Grant's not a doctor yet, I don't think in, or not Ellie, or Ellie Grant. Ellie Sadler's not a doctor yet in the first movie. She's just a student. Or maybe that's just a book. Um, but Ellie, I don't know. I kind of like this idea that, you know, they tried it out. It didn't work out. And, and then, okay. Like they're a little older. They've, you know, done some more stuff, went through a couple more dinosaur adventures. Um, and I mean, it's fine for the story. It's fine. And I only say it's fine because to me, I don't really particularly care really about their love story <laughs> like oh. i like the care i love the characters but it's like their story kind of always was a you know you can int- it's always open for interpretation if like you can buy them as really great friends or you can buy them as lovers like it was always kind of to me the spielberg thing of like we're not going to really like, you know, go head over heels over it, but we're going to go, but we're going to suggest it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think it works just fine. I think the kiss is fine. It's just another like self, like fan boy, like, you know, I got to make them the love story again. <laughs> And then I don't know if you thought this, but I thought for the longest time they were hinting that, uh, hinting some kind of a relationship between Malcolm and Ramsey. I did not how- pick up on that, but uh, did you did you see the, the the line where like he talks about they're like talking about like Ian Malcolm split into my DMs. <laughs> I can't believe they had Laura Dern say that. Oh man! Wow. Again, Colin Trevorrow, shameless. Times we're living in. Um, that was funny. <laughs> and then Alan Grant doesn't I, I did, even know. I didn't really pick up on that, but like, I think it's definitely something that's there for interpretation, like you were saying. Um, Ramsey, I liked the performance, but it's kind of similar to the DeWanda Weiss thing where I like, wish she would have had more to do. Mm-hmm. Like he was kind of just like helping them out. I did like the beat where Ian Malcolm's trying to guess the um, the code combination, and Ramsey's really the one that unlocks it. And so Ian Malcolm thinks he got the code correct. I liked that. That was funny. Yeah, it is funny. I do love the scene between Fake Tim Cook and Ramsey, uh, where because I do think. Even though Trevorrow is playing, you know, playing to the truth, playing through the tropes, you know, through this story, the corporate storyline, I do love that he is trying to be like socially aware of like how terrible like this guy really is. Because I mean, he's because the one thing I will say is he, because fake Tim Cook has that like bit where he's like, I gave you this opportunity, I gave you everything, and Ramsey's like, I don't want to be the head of a genocidal corporation. Yeah. I don't like he doesn't I say that, that, but like more or less. Like 
And I love like how he even plays it like, you know, like it was a charitable thing. Like you know, that I gave you this opportunity, even though Ramsey is the better person being like, no, I don't, I would never do this. I would never want to be like you. Evil Tim, evil Tim Cook. So I, I, I kind of liked that story beat. I kind of liked that beat a little bit and was really kind of impressed that Trevorrow was, you know, really like slid that into the, into those DMs. Um, so uh, I, I was like, yeah, this is really, like really good. Trevorrow, you've made some mild steps. Um, and then another like common thing with Tross is that the way it ends, it's like, here's everyone's happily ever after thing. And then we're going to show you those lo these locations. I mean, in, in Star Wars, it's like, here's these recognizable locations from previous movies. And, and here it's like, here's these locations that just happen to have recognizable dinosaurs in them. And then it's like, the dinosaurs and humans lived in harmony. The end. And it's like, what? What about like the carnivores and stuff? Like, you're telling me there's still not issues? Like, I thought that was the weirdest part about how it ended was with the dino when it finally jumps back to this dinosaurs and humans coexistence thing it's just like they lived in harmony the end like it's basically have like more or less the vibe of the ending and like there's these they're like oh all the dinosaurs that were in that sanctuary they stay there they're chilling there but everyone else all these other dinosaurs across the planet now they live in harmony look at this mosasaurus he's nuzzling up with a whale like it's like what that Mosasaurus would eat that whale. Don't like both of let's them. be real. He would, yeah, he would eat them both. Like, this is some nonsense. Like, I know this movie's already nonsense, but it's like, this is absurd. Like, you can't ex like I feel like that's too much suspension of disbelief. That like all of a sudden, like this question that was begged at the beginning of the movie, like, what are we gonna do about these dinosaurs? And then the way it's resolved, like, they're just gonna stay here and we're gonna live in harmony and it's all good now. <laughs> Mellow vibes. Like, it's just like, what? Hipster or hippie vibes. Um, I liked how he resolves the characters, but there's the dinosaur thing. He's just like, okay, coexistence is key. Like, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's whatever. I, by the way, there's no post credit scene, is there? No, I, I looked it up because I kind of wait. I was sitting around for a little bit, kind of just like taking in what I just saw, and I was like, "That was a weird movie," but um, yeah. yeah. So no, that was Jurassic out. World Dominion. Oh, I, 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 while we're on the subject of Ramsey, a few minutes ago, this just popped in my head. I liked him being like kind of like a whistleblower, like when they do get to the mainland and they're talking to the press. He and Ian Malcolm are like whistleblowers. I thought that was kind of cool. Well, I do like that. Well, I mean, it makes sense in the plot. I mean, no one's agreeing with Tim Cook, like, or fake mm -hmm. Tim Cook, um, that we should have this much power and control over, e even if they could achieve that power control. Also, um, like, B.D. Wong, like, I get that, like, he's, like, kind of, he's, he's, he's sorry for his, what he did, like, he gets he gets off the hook so easily. <laughs> like I know he like kind of rectifies the mistake as well, but I don't know. 
he he just kind of like goes he's like into the field he's like okay i'm gonna release this corrected mutant locus and it's gonna fix everything and then that's it yeah what <laughs> like what one of the things that i think would have been interesting to explore with the redeemed ben solo is kind of like i don't I, it might be too similar to avatar the last airbender but it might be interesting to see like ben solo journeying through the galaxy reconciling for his sins as kylo ren like that would be really compelling i would love that i would have loved that as like a not necessarily like a disney plus series and because I, I don't even know if you'd be able to get adam driver for that but like just some continuous continuation of the saga like it, like i don't know like a book or a comics comic series or something like that would be really interesting well and also you'd have to retcon the ending of rise of skywalker no, I know. No, I, I'm not. I'm saying if he had survived, okay, like I think right. that would have been like an interesting alternate alternative ending. Maybe. I mean, who knows? I mean, the problem with doing anything after a sequel trilogy is a everyone is so hooked up in on the original trilogy nostalgia that now, I mean, even doing something towards the prequel era like we have right now with obi-wan it's still gonna tie into the o to the um og trilogy so well yeah it, it kind of has to because it's like a bridge between them right I, yeah but it's like everything's still so like you know og trilogy mind tangential to it yeah and then to do anything after that it's like I don't know if Disney or Kathleen Kennedy or anyone would want to touch it because Rise of because I don't even think they were happy with how Rise of Skywalker ended. Like I think they which were which is just crazy like, because it's like their fault for like kind of you you can tell that's such a studio mandated movie. <laughs> oh yeah, but if but it feels like you know if you had a like an hour or two to write a paper and yeah. You just had to like, and same here. With, and to tie everything together, Jurassic World Dominion also feels like uh, you're like. But the you know, crazy you thing to... is that Colin Trevorrow had way more time, and not to yeah. mention the fact that on top of him having more time, a blessing in disguise of the pandemic, like gave him more time before they restarted production to iron out the kinks in the script and we still get this mess <laughs> yeah i mean he could have just been like oh great um guys we're just gonna delay the movie a year not four months um and uh yeah we're just gonna delay it and he and even more so he could have been like we're gonna wait for the vaccine to start production and then in the meantime he's like to emily carmichael and Derek connelly guys start writing start writing start rewriting like just write just keep writing some more um so i whatever it's it's what it is it is funny that it is gonna be funny to me always that they released the prologue of the movie and then they didn't even put it in the movie not to just keep yeah. harping on that but i was just the like the funniest this thing so to funny. me is like just like the saga of Colin Trevorrow. You have Jurassic, the first Jurassic World come out. It's relatively widely acclaimed. So then he immediately gets signed on to episode nine. And that relatively, you know, you know what I mean? It made yeah. a lot of money. And so he gets signed on to episode nine. Then we have Book of Henry. 
a few months later, Colin Javaro has departed episode nine due to creative differences. Oh, Colin Javaro is back on Jurassic World. Oh, he made this. <laughs> he made he made Dominion. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. No, I agree. It's and we all have uh, Brad Bird to blame <laughs> um, because he was the one that saw safety not guaranteed and was like, "Guys, I found the new me. I found the guy." who is gonna because this is after like brad bird had done mission impossible uh ghost protocol and everyone was like we got to get brad on something we got to get him and brad wanted to do tomorrowland so he had went so he had seen safety not guaranteed and like word on the street was he was like this is like a younger more you know energetic version of me if you want like my number two this is going to be my number two colin trevorrow and because originally brad bird was gonna do and i and you and i have talked about this brad bird was gonna do force awakens but only as an anundum to doing tomorrowland at the same time and he would have only done it if colin trevorrow could have helped co-direct the movie in some way and because of that kathleen kennedy and frank marshall were so fascinated by this that they hooked they kind of said okay bird just go and make tomorrowland just go on just we'll, we'll we'll get back to you later and then they put trevorrow for jurassic world and then just got abrams for force awakens um and now we're we're at where we're at right now where you know a sundance director who's only had a couple credits before jumping into the big movie gets the big movie and now we have a director an inexperienced writer director helming a franchise especially helming a franchise during one of the most tumultuous times of making a movie in the pandemic and i kind of i hate to say this but it's like i can uh, i see like i see why these movies are not working i think it's mostly oh, yeah. just due to trevorrow just still being a film a student a student a student filmmaker like he's still learning himself how to make these movies he's experimenting on a feature feature on a blockbuster scale <laughs> yeah and it's not even like it's not even like simon kimberg who's you know directing like dark phoenix and then doing the 355 it's nothing like that it's i mean it's literally is like he's learning how to make movies how to shoot with film and learning how to write these stories and create connective tissue through these stories as he's making these movies on these like hundred million dollar budgets i did well, think yeah just to give him a little bit of credit um <laughs> i did think dominion looked much nicer than jurassic world like jurassic world had this very flat look to it it, it looked very corporate and I had this like corporate sheen almost to it and this that is gone in this movie and so that was nice <laughs> yeah no he actually I mean in the first one was shot with 35 and 65 millimeter film um, even though you can't tell whatsoever no. and it's interesting because Fallen Kingdom was shot in digital yeah completely on digital and he was and even more Same so thing is that's another thing it has in common with Last Jedi. Wasn't Last Jedi shot in digital? Because I know like that... It was like a digital film hybrid. 
because I know that Steve Yedlin has like talked about how really there's not that much of a difference between film and digital and how you can replicate the filmic look on digital. And he did it with Knives Out, I believe, and possibly Last Jedi. Um, and I'm not sure. uh, Glass Onion. Oh, maybe. I guess Glass Onion too. Um, well, well, we'll see. Well, here's the thing. Well, I mean, last, to answer your question, question, Last Jedi was like a film-digital hybrid. Like there are sequences shot on film, but they did shoot a good portion, especially the uh, like the Iron, like the Jedi Temple scenes in, on digital, because those were the hardest scenes to film, uh, and it was just easier to get digital equipment up there rather than film equipment. Mm-hmm. So. But most of the movie, but it is like a 50-50, and then Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was completely shot on digital. Uh, like Aerialexias and Reds and that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, and, you're, and then this one went back to film, much like Rise of Skywalker did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. The similarities just never end. It's almost like Colin Trevorrow was there at Lucasfilm listening to everybody's... I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He planted Um, a bug. He planted himself as a bug. Yeah. Um, Then he left the bug there after he got fired. (laughs) Absolutely. He left a locust there after he got fired. Mm Mm-hmm. He did. Now he needs to put a locust back in to bring harmony. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's, I think that's pretty much it on Jurassic World Dominion. Um, I don't really, I, I'm fine with, I, to the mo- I do have one question though. Do you think this movie will at all be the su- movie of the summer? Like no, the- oh, it seems like Top Gun Maverick is. Okay. Like, I just wanted to like even looking ahead to what's coming out in June, July, even though there are some things I'm excited for, I don't think any of them are going to be nearly as big as Top Gun Maverick. Lightyear and then maybe, I guess, Minions might come close. Maybe Minions might do better than I think that I'm giving it credit for, but because um, the first one made a billion dollars. Um, but, you know, it's crazy that in the span between Minions and Minions 2, we had like because the, they both came out soon after so the first one came out relatively soon after the first Jurassic World and this one's coming out so soon after Dominion in between those well, I guess you had Despicable Me 3 so it's almost like there was a trilogy but I, I was just thinking like in my mind like I was like it's almost like in the span of a whole trilogy then they finally got their second movie um but anyways movie of the summer yeah. talk um I, if if you asked me like two months ago, I would have guessed yes, but I don't think so anymore. Like I think Top Gun Maverick is performing way above expectations, and I'm really glad about that because the movie is so good. Um, but and this, like, I think even though it's gonna have like a pretty solid opening weekend, or I don't, I didn't look at the final numbers for um, yet. Here, I'll look it up. But keep going. I'll look it up real quick. Like, I think it's going to be one of those movies that I think it's going to have similar to Tross box office. It'll make over a billion, but I think it'll be kind of like where it opened huge and then like it kind of like falls off after that. Like, it'll be like that kind of typical box office performance 
of like those type of blockbuster movies where and i think the tr the box office performance of this trilogy is going to mirror the box office performance of the sequel trilogy okay so i have it pulled up on um box office mojo uh it's one it opened to 143 uh domestic international 245 bringing it to uh 389 dollars worldwide i think the difference between this and top gun maverick is that top gun maverick has stronger legs mm -hmm. and there's a good chance that like we could be going we could go into next week and uh and top gun this and top gun are neck and neck for battling for number two because i think lightyear will I think Lightyear is guaranteed in number one, just because oh, a yeah. it's the first Pixar movie since the pandemic. It's a kids it's movie. It's about freaking Buzz Lightyear. Yes, <laughs> and it's releasing it's on Father's Day weekend. So then there's another thing. Mm -hmm. Although Top Gun Maverick, you know, is very much a that's Father's a dad Day movie. movie. That's a dad. I'm a. I want to take my dad to see. He hasn't seen it yet. I want to take my dad to see it on. Because I, I haven't seen it a second time yet. I'm um, tempting to I'm tempting to take my dad to see it a second time too. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a it's so it really could be like next week could be very close. Um, because because I, I don't think word of mouth is strong on this one, and also even though it did get an A minus cinema score, um, but. I think the, I don't know. I think time will tell. It's just one of those, like, I can't, I can't see Jurassic World Dominion. I think Jurassic World Dominion will be under a billion because we got Lightyear and then Thor Love and Thunder is in three weeks. So that's true. I would not be that surprised if it comes in under. I'm just guessing like it will follow that trajectory, but it's also COVID times. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of all we got for Dominion, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So, uh, David, with that said, uh, where can the good people find you? And you have a blog. You can find me on Twitter at wiser underscore David. And then I've got my blog, Film Assessment, that I have not written on recently. Um, and, you know, I, I, I just don't know if I'll ever or when I would make like a full resurgence on that or not. But I do have that. Uh, I, I just need to finish a few polish a few things i do have a list of my top 10 movies of 2020 and 2021 kind of combined it, it's one it's the top 10 of 2020 and the top 10 of 2021 because i skipped over those um so i have that post in draft uh pending final revisions um so that's on the horizon and um i don't know when i'll write a full review again it's just i've been really busy lately and but yeah the, so that's called film assessment if you want to go read some old reviews you can read my thoughts on fallen kingdom or even the first jurassic world and those reviews are on there um and then you just heard me talk all about dominion absolutely um and the link will be in the description below uh and then you can follow me at movie kale this is where you'll get all the updates on this podcast and yeah Please, um, uh, 
yeah and uh please check us out and check out our other episodes um we i we have reviewed uh all the movies in this trilogy i think we did a retrospective at one point on jurassic park i don't remember um but i will say we we've done uh but i will say you know there's a lot of jurassic world coverage you just gotta look for it um Thanks, everyone. We'll be back with you uh, next week for Lightyear. That's another plane, right? Not exactly. Why do they always have to go bigger?